With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 22 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Miff and Chris. So finally, the mind-blown season that was 2020-2021 is now officially over and the next chapter in our history can finally start. So when will it? Our history-making club captain has played his last game for the club and now heads to Aberdeen for the next stage of his career, taking over 600 games worth of experience as well as 22 medals with him. The monumental job of replacing him is just one task on a lengthy to-do list for Don Mackay and the people who make the decisions and with nine weeks until our next competitive game, the clock is already ticking. Miff, as one door closes, another opens. Apparently, have you managed to close the door in last season yet, or have you yet to fully process it? Hi, Tino. Hi, Chris. Uh, hi, listeners. Yes, I've closed the door. It was very easy to do. When that final whistle went against Hibs, it was quite easy. Well, to do the post-match, but after that, it was quite easy just to consign it to the dustbin. I won't really be doing too much thinking about the season that's just passed. One of the delights of contributing to the podcast is you're able to get things off your chest fairly readily and, and move on. I think it has been therapeutic, most definitely. It's now turning to genuine excitement to see what happens next. I'm in the minority, but I'm still not absolutely convinced it's going to be Eddie Howe. Just for purely for the fact that I think if something was done, it would be it would be confirmed. It's really just that simple. But I await excitedly to see who's going to be the next Celtic manager and see what their plans are for the club. Good. Chris, what about yourself? Tough and strange a season as we've seen in a long, long time, but are you looking forward with a bit of optimism? In terms of closing the door in the season, there's a bit of ecstasy there, Tino. Again, <laughs> I don't know if that's a strong word, but it is. You I can't it, it's, it it's been that bad. But no, it's, it's hope now in terms of looking forward. So again, hopefully get the right guy in the building. I think it will be anyhow. I think I said a few weeks ago, I thought it was 50-50. I think it must be something there. It really must be. Things are things are too quiet for that. Um, probably going the opposite of what I've seen there. Hopefully we can get the... I hope the preparation's already started. Right? That's again, I prefer to say, obviously, hope, but... It's funny how people interpret the silence in different ways, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You. So the silence for me tells me there's something done. For Miff, the silence tells me there's nothing done, so... We'll see how that goes. So, they say the only thing you get looking back the way is a sore neck, but I'm afraid we do need to look at season just passed. In some way, shape or form, as we look to, to finally put a lid on it. So, Celtic finished the season a full 25 points behind Rangers. The record was played 38, won 22, drew 11 and lost 5. So, that means 16, 16 of our 38 games we haven't won. Miff, any idea where that went wrong? I would say primarily defending set pieces. That's it. <laughs> In a nutshell. So, I mean, it could certainly... We put down as one of the key reasons because if we've said it before, if all we sorted out where our defensive was, we'd been in a far healthier position. I mean, I've looked at a number of the items that, you know, the factors that have gone wrong this season, and there's so many. But there's a COVID situation, you know, no fans, how that impacted us, players missing the ball and goalie incident at the start. Lenny in general, whether it's his management style, maybe the delay of bringing in David Turnbull and Soro to the team, the lone players who failed, the failing recruitment. The underperformance of guys like Griffiths, McGregor, Christie, the Dubai trip, anymore? I, well, I would just add, though, I think it's harsh to just say the ball and goalie incident to not reference Griffiths, the Griffiths incident. 
that mm-hmm. coincided with that because that then inadvertently, well not inadvertently, that then caused a, a real issue in terms of the expectations for Hodson Edward and when he then contracted COVID and was out for a prolonged period of time, there was nobody to carry the load mm-hmm. and Griffiths not being fit when he should have really been the number two striker, the experienced guy, the guy that we could go to for him not to have got himself in shape at the start of the season, along with the ball and goal instant. I think the two of them, I think that had a major impact on the dressing room. Yeah, and I think there's there's so many things, and it did, you know we're going over all ground a wee bit here, but there's it's just a culmination of so many things. You know, any of these items in isolation, you know, by and large we could have got past, but it's when you add them all together. I mean, well, you say that, Tino, but I, I think they're you know they're all big deals in isolation, but they've all happened in the one season. Yeah. So that I, I mean, I think it's absolutely catastrophic. What what happened with Bongoli was major. Mm-hmm. That alone was major. Then the Griffiths incident on top of it. And then it just starts for there, the snowball. And and the timing of us playing Rangers when we did, when we were in that game in front in the league, the league and having so many players away as we did, the issues around travel, coming back, lack of preparation. And I really think that defeat set the scene. That seemed to really drain the morale out of the players. It, it, it seemed to be just such a demoralising victory for Rangers that we never really recovered from that. Yeah, I mean, Chris, of the, the various things we've mentioned there, is there any kind of one or two that are the biggest contributors for you? I get back to decision-making at the highest level, to be honest with you. I strip it right back. I'm going way back now in terms of decision-making. Can you even say the decision-making process from even the appointment of Lennon? Uh, really thinking back on the season itself, obviously Lennon had a good go at it in terms of the following season, in terms of appointment pre-COVID, but in terms of his management of the, some, some of the situations and the consequences of Certain things happen, I've mentioned Bowling Goalie, the Griffiths situation for me, the managing of the players after the Fenish Faros game in terms of publicly come out and criticising them, and I think that completely backfired. Then I think you're talking about the Rangers game, Miff, I thought the Fenish Faros game was the start of the end, and again at that time you're thinking, well, it's in August here, we'll, we'll click in a gear, we've got the players back, it's a blip. We've done it the season before, obviously, the situation in terms of Europe as well. So, no, no, we'll get it back. But I think for there, that was warning signs. And looking back now, it's to say, right, was Lennon the right appointment? Again, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But I get back, as I said, senior management decision-making with regards to Nick Hammond, Neil Lennon, player recruitment. I think that's where it starts. Now, again, you're going way back to see that again, how it just unfolded. So, mm-hmm. I would need to say again in terms of this, it's, it's a series of things that went completely wrong and it's just it's a, it's a recipe for disaster everything was just a, an absolute disaster yeah. this season you can't, you can't quite comprehend it but as I said I think that comes from the top and yeah. then all the filters its way down the and, it's, and it's hard to disagree with that so what I'd like to do so obviously we're looking at the various things that have gone wrong and we're right to do so but I also like to say okay you know that has gone wrong this season what can we do to address it so you've talked about senior management Chris and there's a new senior management team in place, or at least parts of, right? So there's still some of the old wood or the dead wood will be there. But Dominic Mackay at least comes in, you know, to bring in something new, hopefully, and something fresh. We should have different recruitment staff when that came in out the building. Definitely a new head coach. Whether we get a director of football or not, there's been no real confirmation of that from the club, but we'll see. But with all the various things that have gone wrong, as we've mentioned, you know, uh, how we manage the COVID situation, loan players, recruitment, underperformance of certain players, what can what can we now do, Miff, looking forward to try and address these key issues? Well, I think communication's going to be key. I feel the way that the club have communicated with us from the, the kind of incidents in October where the fans were, were protesting. I think the, the club have taken a very dismissive tone um, towards the fans, which comes across as pretty much patronising and ungrateful. 
it's very easy to take that tone with the fans when they're not in the stadium to voice their displeasure. And I think the board absolutely took advantage of that situation to, to speak so dismissively. Very much a tone of you'll take what you're given. When really, what happens in football is you set your own standards. And Brendan Rodgers, over the course of three seasons, or two and a half seasons, had set really, really high standards. And the players, the staff involved, had, had helped maintain those standards we could all see that those standards were dropping and we're trying desperately to get the club to do something about it. And we as a, as a fan base were, were dismissed. So to rebuild that trust, which often takes time in these situations, we need them to get the big decisions right or, or for the majority of fans to see them getting the big decisions right. And that starts with, with, the, with these mythical appointments that we've been discussing on this podcast for weeks. You know, I, I know people will be listening in to us just to hear us maybe talk about something fresh and bring a different slant on things but, but ultimately we're in the same situation as everybody else we don't we don't profess to be in the know and we just hope that the club from this day forward choose to communicate more clearly and concisely with us as a fan base just to come in there as well I'm just thinking about it and you're talking about we are seeing the deterioration in terms of the team itself and I'm talking about decision making at a higher level Celtic in terms of actually to progress they need to be acting a bit more professionally at a higher level and what I mean by that as well, you mentioned communication is key, right? Fundamental, especially in this age with social media. Celtic need to get it right in terms of how they operate at that level as well. When it comes to actually the management, the communication, the the marketing of the club, the PR, it is it's, it's just an absolute disaster this season. And mm-hmm. we need to, as I said, I think Celtic are making good moves, even again for yourself, um, Tino, through the podcast as well, engaging with the fan groups because they need to build those bridges the fans again because the detachment is frightening at the yeah. moment again we've seen this stuff in the past week even though it's happening in terms of club ethos and stuff like um, stuff that's been in the news but Celtic need to get it right at the very very top yeah I mean strong clear communications in my eyes and I think your lads are in agreement as a basic and it's something that there's no excuse for any club with all the channels available to them to not get right it's timely you say that because actually there was a couple of fans meetings that took place just last week so this isn't you know something we're harking back to months ago Last week I think there was two meetings. I think there was a meeting on Tuesday, which is a, a supporters group meeting with groups like I think Celtic Trust, Celtic Shared, some of the main supporters groups from Ireland and uh, America. Zoom call I presume. And on Thursday there was a fans forum. I think it was maybe similar-ish but with a slightly different slant on it. From a Celtic point of view, I think Peter Lowell, Don McKay and Michael Nicholson, who, who heads up the, the legal side of things, they were in attendance. And the response coming back about those meetings is basically more of the same in terms of nothing to see here. I think the the meeting on Tuesday in particular, the, the various groups in attendance were expecting some sort of clear direction from the club to say, this is what's happened in the season past and here's how we're looking forward. And I believe it was 90 minutes or nothing. So there's a chance there, particularly for Dominic Mackay, you know, coming in blameless for the season past to go and get something right. And there's a bit of an open goal there to go and put out a nice clear message and get off to a good start. And already we've, we've failed. Well, that, that seemed to be very... The reaction to that was very underwhelming from the, the fans that attended. Based again, I'm basing that on some things that I'd read on social media. So again, it feels like yet another a continuation of the the type of apathy almost that that seeped into the the club. We've really been been sleepwalking, and this season's caught us out. And it really needs it needs addressed. And I think we need to see as being what what we want Celtic to be is dynamic, progressive. You know all, all the things, both on and off the field, not not just not just um, on the pitch. And we are anything but just now. So for me, that that's really the one thing that that has to has to change. 
And I think, like, like anything else, if you get a bit of positive momentum through any means, it helps. Mm-hmm. It lifts the spirits of the fans. If clear communication's coming towards them, you know, I, I think it's been a while. When was the last time we had to wait so long for a, a season ticket renewal? I'm not sure if there's been such a long time in living memory. I, you know, no, I can think of. Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not great with, with things like that, but it's getting to me now. <laughs> like, no, it's really, I'm thinking it, amount of time that's passed when you should have had the renewal. It feels to me like mm-hmm. we're, we're way past that. So, I know there's issues at play there in terms of fans have made it known that they're not happy with the way things had went last season in terms of value for money. I'm a wee bit, at the end of the day, nobody can would have been complaining if we won the league let's mm-hmm. be honest yep. I, I think that's a fair call yep. would, you, would you agree with that yeah absolutely so you know I, I do think there's a bit of you're, you're trying to kind of rewrite things a wee bit there but by the same token I think the club are very wary about how they approach this season in terms of renewals what's it going to look like timeline for getting fans back in is there going to be any remuneration or, or discount for fans applying for a second season of, of not getting into the ground those types of things as well as the lack of appointments yeah. um, for roles in the club so Around that, I understand that is quite difficult, that's quite tricky, but I was speaking to one of my mates about it today, he expects the season tickets to be more expensive. So I've heard otherwise, I've heard it's going to be a price freeze, which is one thing in itself, however, they, as you rightfully say, if it's such a strange time, you know, yes, it's as, as long as we can remember since it's been a, you know, the renewals coming out on time, they're usually around about the end of March, I believe, we're now heading for a couple of months away from that, and I think the only firm news that came out of those meetings during the week that it was going to be the end of May, so we're probably a week or so away from the, the campaign launching, maybe towards the end of next weekend. I do believe it's going to be a price freeze, but that in itself will anger some folk who will ask the question. I can see, see in your face, my feeling. Raised, like raised eyebrow yeah. there, lads. For a price look. freeze? Oh, thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So so one of the big questions uh, from the supporters group meeting on Tuesday, I believe, was, so, so this term you'll have heard so many times now this season, added value. I think someone's thrown that line in somewhere and I don't remember who originally quoted it, but you know they've said because of the season and it's all going to be televised and nobody in the stadium will bring some added value. I think someone's thrown that out there and it's they'd love to regret that because what added value can you expect? There's two things you can expect to happen or potentially hope to happen. One is a discount on this year's season tickets and as I say, I've heard there's a price freeze so you can scrap that. The other is some sort of uh, refund on last season's tickets. And that in itself begs a, a, a difficult question. So we all seen Motherwell come out last week and announced they were going to, uh, you know, give a free season ticket to anyone who'd bought one for the season just passed. An amazing gesture. But that is a very different proposition when you're talking about Motherwell Football Club and Celtic Football Club. Now, it's a great gesture by Motherwell and it will cost them as a club, you know, no doubt about that. For Celtic, they bring in something like £25 million in season ticket money. And if they're going to refund, I don't know, t- 10% of that's £2.5 So that's plenty and if there was more than that expected then it could have a serious impact on what we do so we want to challenge right we want to compete next season and try and get the title back as soon as possible and that costs money and now more so than ever given the state of the squad and we can't have it both ways as fans so you can have your discount Miff, on next season's ticket if you want or you can have your refund but you can't expect to compete you can't have it all how do you feel about that and I know that sounds harsh but I'm just uh, that's no, the fact no no, no. So I, think, I think it's a realistic point I mean you, you say that about Motherwell there I'm way to believe there's you know, loads of good people come for there, so I'm, I'm not surprised at that gesture. So, I mean, I didn't take the refund for the nine in a row season, mm-hmm. just for the point of view is I thought, you know, the club's in a situation where it doesn't really need cash to be taken out. I know a lot of fan groups were, were promoting to take cash out to in a way to punish the board for their yeah. inactivity, and, and I do get that, but the club as a whole doesn't need cash drained out of it in the middle of 
global pandemic and, and my that's just my opinion mm-hmm. and i know my mug that i'm saying that when i would have probably withdrew the money and went away and bought my celtic jammies or whatever but yeah. that's that's just you know i thought keep the money in that's the best place for it to be this season's slightly different for the point of view that i've paid for last season i don't want any money back but surely coming into the next season when there is no guarantee me being back in the stadium we know it's a constantly fluid situation there has to be a plan let me see what the plan is mm-hmm. this is my whole point i'm now sitting here mid-may there's no plan yeah chris see for, for me see if there was a plan right i, I could accept that i want a plan i mean saying listen here's who's coming in this is what we're going to be doing you would you would actually think to yourself right i'm I, i'm with that right i get i'm i'm with them and i and i know what i need to do as a celtic fan to support them and the club but there is a detachment here between the fan base and the club to a degree. And again, it's a lack of planning. And that raises a question to say, well, why should I go above and beyond when they don't want to go above and beyond in terms of, the, again, there's been apathy towards support since October, being beforehand, in which we've been, again, we've been held in disregard again. Maybe I might sound harsh, but I think that's, that's my opinion on it. And I think Celtic fans would get, I think Celtic fans are going to get behind the club, right? Regardless of the situation, whatever, in different ways, but I just feel as if there was a plan in place. Again, Celtic fans would be more forthcoming to say, see with regards to whether it be refunds, whether it be discounts, or whatever else, it would make it easier in terms of an argument for the club to basically just say, like, listen, I'm going to go out here and just say, right, it's going to be pay freeze. Let's say, sorry, a freeze in terms of the charges themselves, but we're going to get Eddie Howe, we're going to get this, we're going to do that. There's going to be significant, actually, um, financing awards the squad mm-hmm. you can get you can get that but this is where we're all standing at the moment we're going wait a minute here what are they going to offer us because it's about a period of fl- again a period of flux at the moment we're in between us and the club itself but again I firmly believe again we will be there as we always are that's that's what I'm thinking and you mentioned Tino about the, the £25 million revenue that's, that's generated for season tickets and understand that however going forward and planning for this season and given that, that Covid has had such an impact throughout the, the world of sport surely then a budget and forecast should take into account reduced revenue for season tickets. They can't fit everyone back in the stadium. Surely the club should not be expecting every fan to be given full value or paying full price for the season ticket when they know that they're probably not get to every game. You know, I think it would be fairer to say we're maybe not going to get you to, you know, twenty games this season, but we'll, we'll try and get you to seven, and and we'll, you know, we'll we'll kind of tier it accordingly. You also need to remember that Celtic are a very well run club and do have cash reserves that's why they're a well-run club so that if situations like covid hit they have a plan b and they have cash so that they don't just turn around to mr mug supporter and go right give me your 600 pounds and that you know i think that's another point that should be hammered home it should not necessarily just be expected that the fans are the cash cow in this situation given the backdrop of everything that's happened that they pay some sort of gesture towards the fans rather than reverting to type and just trying to milk us for as much as they can. Comms, man. Comes out of communication. Talk to us again, engage. Engage exactly. and tell us, tell us what the situation is. Exactly. As I said, then we can either we can get with it or we won't. Yep. Talk to us. I mean, you two as lads then. So if a, if a plan comes out uh, tomorrow, tells you everything you need to know in terms of, maybe not necessarily who the manager is, but this is the structure, this is what we're striving to achieve. Manager, head coach, director of football, new signings, a different approach to recruitment, etc., etc. Could you buy into that? You know, would you would you be happy to support that at full price next season, or do you feel it needs to be some sort of uh, financial uh, compensation? Listen, I'm sitting here getting at the beginning. I'll just be looking for where the credit card details are and just paying it anyway. That's mm. like, no, that's the reality of it. I, but it still doesn't mean I don't want communicated to. I want I want to hear 
what the decisions are, what the plan is, and what the rationale is behind it. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And as we sit here, the simple fact of the matter is we, we don't have anything. Yeah, I mean, you're right in saying that Celtic are a well, well-run club, Muff, and they do have cash reserves, but they are diminished cash reserves. They've been such a strange 12 months or so and lost revenue within that. So... That you know, 11 million for Frimpong, you know, I think, I think that just sealed in the Clyde. Well, of course, I, and there's big money that's come in there, and big money too come in for Edward and Ayer and maybe a couple of others. But the bottom line is we've lost a lot of money in the last year, and the practicalities remain. You know, if if you don't get the 25 million in, if that becomes 10 or 15 million due to some wonderful gesture by the club, that's fine if you want to come second again. And I'm in that kind of way where I'm not being dismissive of folk who decide they can't afford the season ticket or anything of that nature. Everyone's got their own personal choice, but I think we can't really expect both. You can't expect big discount and to go and compete given the current condition of the squad as well. And I'm not saying it's right either, by the way. I'm just saying it's where we find ourselves. It needs to be reflective of the situation, but you know, I think we need to look at see we're saying that, right? And again, I keep referring to an offer here, right? If Celtic are saying you're only going to get any two thirds again at the games, hopefully next season. If that's reflective, and again, we know what the, again, we know what the planning proposal is, then Celtic fans would get behind it. Where it be that, or again, a coaching structure or an investment, etc., etc. I keep saying communication is key here. So I think it needs to be, so you're saying you can't have it both ways, but yeah, I think Celtic need to be careful and it needs to be, ref- I keep saying there, sorry, reflective of what the situation is at the yeah. time. So two thirds, are you going to get two thirds your season book? I don't know. Mm. Again, I just think it needs, you can't, again, you can't have your cake and eat it. Or, I think or, you need or to, maybe, maybe there can be something written in when you sign up that, you know, it will be reflective based on how many games you get into. It's such a complex situation, isn't it? And, and, we'll, and well, that's what Motherwell done last season. Motherwell actually came out and basically said, you will, you'll pay for what you see. And again, I had to stand by that. And again, I think Motherwell got to be commended for that. But, Again, there's, and again, with the greatest, without, again, being, without being disrespectful, there is, as you said, there is a big difference between us and Motherwell. Yeah. So, so as I mentioned there, they have confirmed... Beautiful by, place, I hear. Yeah. By all accounts, during that meeting, they have confirmed that we will have the season ticket renewals by the end of May. So we're about two weeks out from the end of May just now. I would be amazed. We discussed it last week, uh, myself, Miff and Paddy, but I would be amazed if there's no firm uh, announcements before then because how do you possibly go on sale where you no strong messaging or, or, or nothing really concrete to speak of. So that will remain to be seen and we'll see how that plays out in the next couple of weeks. Just on that point, you know, pro- that's probably one to put out to, to the listeners as well. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be good to get feedback as to how people are generally feeling about that. You know, if they can communicate with us through the various channels that are available. Yeah. What's their thoughts? Will they be renewing? What are they looking for? Would they go for a tiered offer? No, of, we expect to get you into seven games and, and you know, Maybe come and go with with you accordingly. But just I think it'd be good to hear what what fans' views are. Yeah, it's a decent shout, Miff. So we'll put a few things out in the the coming days on Twitter, and we'll see what the the feedback and responses are to that. Um, to go back to football and matters, so as I mentioned at the top of the show, Scott Brown now bows out after six hundred twenty appearances for Celtic, twenty two trophies, forty six goals, and over six hundred games. So he now joins a, a fairly elite band of brothers that have played over six hundred games for Celtic. So he's now one of only seven men to have done so. Quick one for you, lads. Do you think you'd have a decent shot at naming the, the other six? I tell you what, we'll go a turn each. Now who's going first? Me? You can go first. Caesar. Well, I mean, you'll correct. Do you know my appearances? I'll give you a, I'll buy your dinner for you if you get this right. 783. Oh, nearly. 790. Oh, wow. Oh. I'll get you a starter. Miff? I'll do it in, I'll do it in absolute first in style for the old centenary year video. Danny McGreen. Correct. That's, Six- when he, that's when he hits a shot in the 1980 cup 663 appearances. Chris? Paul McStay. Yeah, 677. Jimmy McGrory? No. Bobby Lennox? No. I would have seen. Another of the, the two others from the centenary year. Uh, Roy Aitken? Yeah, 672. Feed the bear. Bonner? Packy Bonner, 641. 
So the last one, listen, I'll be mind-blown if you get this one. So this chap's from, played between 1904 and 1925, so that in itself is amazing. 21 years. Jimmy Quinn. Uh, Celtic. No, not Jimmy Quinn. It's the longest continuous run of any one player at Celtic, so as I say, 21 years at the club. You either know or you don't. It's a guy called Alec McNair, Alec the Icicle McNair, so 641 appearances during that time. Decent effort, lads, not the worst. Disappointed, I didn't know. Yeah, maybe next time. So... There's a lot of quotes obviously doing the rounds, uh, Bruni, a lot of videos, a lot of emotional send-offs, but one thing which keeps coming through, and I've seen it in various quotes and, and official articles, is that he continues to credit Brendan Rodgers with this longevity. He says he got an extra three, four years out of him, which, you know, I think there was talk of him winding things down and he seemed to find this new level. The bottom line is, we now need another Brendan Rodgers, don't we? And I know there's different feelings here, Miff, about how he left the club and all that stuff, but that aside, he is a top, top coach. Uh, and he proved that at the weekend, taking Leicester City to their first ever FA Cup final, uh, and victory, sorry. We need someone else like that to bring the best. <laughs> I see that raised eyebrow again, if you're lucky that she was on YouTube. Is this an ambush? <laughs> <laughs> but we need someone who's going to bring out those levels again, from the James Forrest, the Callum McGregors, the David Turnbulls, don't we? We need that level of coach. I must interject there, Tino. I, I've seen some <laughs> romanticising over the weekend because Rogers won the FA Cup. He said, oh, he was right to leave because he'd go and he'd Took Celtic as far as he could and all that. Get that and nib in. <laughs> no chance, man. He walked at the end of the day, he walked out and when the league was far from done. I, I'm sorry. You know, I will I will say one thing. He is a tremendous coach. That's all that's I'm saying. It. I didn't say he was a tremendous that's guy. It. I said he was a tremendous coach. For me, the weekend as well, I take and I know what you're saying, man. I felt as if it was salt in the wounds at the weekend because if that man is in a building, again, we'd be celebrating at the weekend. There was a there was an irony about the fact that Rangers Absolutely. are celebrating their trophy well. He was going to the FA Cup. Although I will say I couldn't quite bring myself to support Chelsea. It was just a case of I hope both of them get beaten and then just left the stadium. <laughs> it was a tricky one. In terms of Bruni, Chris finishing up. So myself and Miff have had a couple of shows since, a couple of match reactions and you know wishing them all the best. What's your own kind of final thoughts on how that's all ended up? Well, I think I've said to you, said to both you um, previous to this, I was, and again, a lot of probably listeners that are probably listening who know me will know me as being Scott Brown's biggest critic pre Brendan Rodgers. I didn't, I, I didn't think at the time up to that point he delivered what he could have delivered. And then Brendan Rodgers come in, comes in and actually makes him a completely different player. I'm going to have a actually conversation with a few of my, few of my pals on Saturday. Um, I thought Scott Brown, he took Scott Brown on our level. And again, Scott Brown comes out and obviously he's articulated that in terms of obviously his feedback so I just wish again with Brendan Rodgers in longer to be honest I know you're, getting, you're, you're saying Matthew, he's again, such he an amazing guy Matthew. he's been the best I think in terms of actually she's first season we've been we've all we've had good times obviously watching Celtic over the years and I would go as far to say it's been I thought it's been it's one of one of my one of my favourite times a Celtic Celtic supporter actually watching Brendan Rodgers team yeah the, the first season the invincible season aye Yep, I thought it was. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I really did. That just brings it. It just brought it brought the club up again. So it just brought them on so much. And I know you can look back and you see Martin O'Neill obviously coming in and the difference he made. But as I said, I just thought it was just again friendly Rogers for me. I thought the, the football was since again it was scintillating. I know the difference in terms of standard in terms of Rangers as well. But I thought for us for what he done in a short space of time. And I know that things begin to then unwind again a season or two later. Then this this obviously disappears. I just wish Celtic again invested more in Brendan Rodgers and again it might have been a different story again he's been a wonderful thing and maybe Brendan Rodgers doesn't do the disappearing act but again I'm again digressing from the Scott Brown situation but that's where it comes from and I was very surprised to hear Scott Brown saying that to be honest with you I know it's probably pretty obvious but Scott Brown it just probably highlights the situation we're in this season again you've went from that standard to 
again, don't mean me too critical of Lennon, but that's that's what's happened. You went from a standard of a Brendan Rodgers to Neil Lennon, and it's a big difference. I would say that Brown is someone who always seemed to polarise opinion in the Celtic fans. I don't think you were alone criticising him, Chris. Um, certainly prior to Rodgers coming, although in, in some seasons under Lennon, he, he was particularly good, and even in Dyla's first season, I thought he was, he, he was again, more intermittent, but he was he was still playing at a, a decent level. He then, in Dyla's second season, he seemed to be really troubled by injury and that, and, and you thought that it was just a natural, you know, coming to the end, but but Rodgers completely reinvigorated him. He will always be, when, when you, this season is looked back upon, or, or this run that Celtic have been on is looked back upon, Brown will be synonymous with that, and, and for the right reasons. That also brings me on to a point, just, and it probably touches on something that you were discussing with the fans' forums and that earlier on. What the board seem to have done is attached the quadruple treble onto this season, as if it was an achievement for this season. Yeah. In the context of this season, we, we haven't won a trophy this season, that was from last season. You know, we were put out both cups and, and out of contention in the league, so that's something that I think is very misguided for the board. They seem to have shoehorned that in as if we should yeah. be thankful that that happened and attached it to this season just on that very note Miff, and it's interesting you say that I was on the Celtic Twitter page earlier on today and it's still the it's the, the bio of the official Celtic Twitter page I think it says official home of the, the quadruple champs or something like that or quadruple treble champs and it's a absolute and as Scott Brown reminded us last week at different times it's absolutely occasions to be savoured and remembered and, and you know uh, highlighted in Celtic's history but it's done and it's well done now. Yep. We've now a full season officially. You know, the 2020 2021 season has now passed. We've won zero trophies this season. I think it's the first time in 11 seasons that we've, that, that's been the case. So it's time to put the quadruple treble chat to bed and look yep. forward. Yeah, that's that's something to look back back on in a number of years' time. We need, we need to get our house in order, for want of a better phrase. So, aye, that, but come back to Scott Brown. He is, or has been, the, the figurehead. And, you know, to achieve what we've achieved, over the past, say the past the past nine years, has been absolutely phenomenal, and his place in, in Celtic history is assured. You know, never mind what he's won, let alone for those number of appearances as well to show that longevity playing at that level for so long. You know, and if you think about European games in there, and also the fact he was representing Scotland for um, a, you know a, a good period of that time. Although he retired and came back, didn't he? He did. He, did, he retired sure, yeah. and came back. But um, yeah, uh, listen, nothing but love for Scott Brown, but I guarantee you he'll end up coming back with Aberdeen who'll put somebody in the stand, guaranteed. See, just, I just want to finish up on Scott Brown myself there, because somebody could, uh, can rightly so correct me that again, there's a player a year in there, by the way. I think I've covered maybe two, actually. Is it two players again before pre-Rogers? Is it one? At least one. There was one. Well, was one. as I said, but I, um, my complaint would be um, Scott Brown before that, just kind of wanted to reiterate this, was that he had so much more to give. And again, I don't know whether or not, again, that's from a, more from a, from a coaching perspective, if, if he channeled his aggression the right way, he could have been, I think, an even better player for Celtic. It just showed you and just glimpses how much, again, he, he's a great Celtic player. He was, again, I think he'll be sorely missed. Yeah. And his contribution to the club is, it can't be questioned. But I just always think, and again, that's me just being greedy. What what more? What more could he, again, could have done? He could have been, and I know the opportunity, that, again, it's come out to say, again, I got Spurs, Newcastle, the opportunity to leave the club, but again, they decided to stay. And again, mm-hmm. thank him for that. But again, that's the reason why I was critical of him. Pre-Brennan Rodgers to say yeah. he needs to be doing better in terms of daft bootings, again, Charlie's aggression and certain again, other ways as well. Um, he could offer so much more. And again, we've seen it. Again, I'm glad we did get a chance to see it when he just says to himself, once I got a good gaffer in place, again, I was back my whole, it just took my game to a whole yeah. different level. And it just shows you the difference a manager can make. So, you know, as you rightfully say, you know, he's, he's achieved so much, 22 medals and, and all of that, but 
you just wonder if, if a different manager, whether it be, you know, instead of Dyla, Lenny first time around or second time around, there might have been more. But listen, let's not, you know, look too negatively. It's been such a phenomenal time for Scott Brown and such a, a job we've got in our hands to replace him. So yep. we'll need to see what the club and the, the new head coach does about that. Um, moving on, we, we've obviously got some key dates now to look forward to in the Celtic diary. So absolutely, the, the announcement of the new management uh, team, whatever that looks like, to right. be confirmed. When is that, Tino? Uh, I think that is going to be, I would say by the end of this week, Muff, is my best guess on that. But I'm absolutely not ITK on that. Um, in terms of actual uh, happenings, we've got the, we know the Euros take place, of course, between the 11th of June and the 11th of Jan- July. The chat is now that the Celtic players are about to get a month off and return in mid-June for pre-season. And before they finish up, there's going to be some sort of debriefing at Lennox Town. That's the chat in the papers today. I don't know what that debrief looks like. And also, who takes it? Is it John Kennedy? Is it Peter Lowell for the Swan Song? Is it the Janny? I don't know who takes that. And what did they say? You know, do they look back on the year that's been and say, that was murdery? Eh? Uh, but don't worry, we'll, we'll fix it for next year. And we don't know who's coming in, but it'll all be fine. Oh, and by the way, half he's on the here. Oh, aye. Shut the door on your way out. So I don't know what that's going to look like. But it's going to be such a, you know, time of transition. There's going to be so many ins and outs and, and it'll be a very different place at Lennox Town, you know, in four or five weeks' time when they come back in June. Uh, the Euro qualifiers, though, as I mentioned, they're only nine weeks away. That is very concerning, isn't it? Because that plays such a huge part in what Celtic can do in terms of the, the season and the money it brings in. I'm just, looking back back to hope, seeing about hope earlier on. As it's, it's just worrying. It really is worrying. I think probably myself, again... Like many other Celtic fans, we're actually trying to say, right, try to be hopeful here and see what, what we've got in front of us and what we've got for next year. We've not really got an awful lot, again, potentially. You can expect Ayers and your Edwards to leave. So you're just thinking, again, you're just trying to be hopeful to say, right, and again, I had these conversations over the past week, a bit controversially, but again, I was speaking about Olivier and Cham at the weekend. Do you want them back? I would give my second chance. Nice. So there you go, That's, again, that, was a, that was a debate, let's just say, the weekend with fellow Celtic fans. But I think if you get the, the right in Cham back, absolutely, he starts for yeah. that for that team. Because we've mentioned all the guys that are going to feature next year and we've talked about Turnbulls and McGregors and Forrest that we know be here and Cham's not even been in your thinking. But I said there's a seriously talented footballer there if we can get him out. I think as well, there was a bit of chat when Hilda went on loan to Ross County that he was actually being tapped up for it was Liverpool. You know, he would be somebody else that would come back in and I imagine he'd be fine for Contention in the squad John Montgomery's looked like he, He's about to stay You know if, mm-hmm. if he can get Performances off him Like that Even if it is maybe 10-15 games a season yeah. you know, he, he would be in the squad as well um, And Cham would be someone I mean I think What is very obvious Is if you've got A, a motivated And engaged Olivier and Cham He immediately Is a starter for you mm-hmm. I think In, in Lennon's defence I think he was keen To try and get in Cham Into the team But sometimes It was to the detriment Of the balance of the team I think in Cham sees himself as a kind of number 10 type player but his style of football probably especially for Scotland would, would see him sit maybe a bit deeper be mm. a bit more of a playmaker so I, it, it's a hard one but that that second season second Rodgers season when in Cham featured more readily certainly so I think that's when we saw the best and he was never quite able to replicate that mm. the, the guy's a crossroads in his career right? yeah. he was always see, a couple of years ago there was the talk of Poro right, going out of the door again we've got players like again let's just use Edward and I as an example Potentially see themselves as bigger, bigger than better in Celtic, right? So, rightly or wrongly, Olivier Cham has got his move, even though it was temporarily, to Marseille. And Baller County's just no word to it. No. So he's coming back into the club with a point to prove to himself, more than MD. So, if, like you're saying, if, if he comes in with the right attitude and we get the right Olivier and Cham in the building saying, I need to knuckle down here. 
then the guy's going to be an asset, mm-hmm. as I said. And so his big move, his if he's thinking about he's got his big move to down south or again somewhere else, serious and doubt, he's it's a serious doubt for him. He needs to come down back here and work really, really hard. Or he needs to prove himself here. You know, Celtic are the only ones that can give him the platform because people who may have been looking at him will look elsewhere now. Given the last, I was going to say the last six months, the last year that he's had, he's had a bit of a nothing year. So he'll need to just knuckle down and get get his head right and try and prove a point. And that could be to Celtic's benefit. And you know, there's so many other things at play. But actually, you know, it's easy to forget there's such a talented player there. And a new guy could get the best out of him. Um, in terms of going back to those dates that we mentioned, so we're getting into the Champions League qualification round two. Uh, that's around about 20th slash 21st of July. So as I say, I think it's nine weeks this week. Uh, then the league itself starts on the 31st of July. So it all comes thick and fast. And as mentioned, in between that are the Euros 11th of June to 11th of July. Celtic will be hopeful that at least half a dozen of their players will feature for Scotland. So you've got McGregor, Christian Taylor, who will almost definitely feature. The question marks are over guys like absolutely Griffiths, Turnbull and Forrest. What's your thoughts? Do you think any of those three will, will feature? With the exception of Griffiths, I think the other two have got to be there. Yeah, young especially play, with young, the bigger squad. They've got 26 they can yeah. pick. Young, young player of the year. Yes, been confirmed. Again, he's only played, what, two-thirds of a season? Yeah, so un, uncapped young player of the year, which is strange in itself. I think him. Um, there's no doubt Clark will take Forrest. I don't think no, there's I any doubt so. about that. I, th- I think Forrest's quite critical to the way that Clark wants to play because he does his defensive duties as well as get Scotland up the park. I think mm. he loves that. To, he likes like Forrest and Fraser. Kind of yeah. being in the team for a bit of width, bit of pace, but also they give a good, good bit of work rate as well. Turnbull, I don't know if Clark fancies him. Yeah, you're right because he's had opportunities that he's thrown in. Clark fancies him. I, what I will say is, the, the disgrace of him not being in the team up until October time probably hasn't done him any favours because mm-hmm. he wasn't playing when those critical games get played. He's then played, you know, in in the squad because that was the squad that got us there. That's kind of became established. However, I noted that Kenny McLean is going to miss the Euros. He's injured. So that might open up the space for him in, in the squad. Yeah. What I would say is he seems to me the, the type of player that, that Scotland need because you kind of get work rate off the likes of McGinn and Armstrong. You've, even Christy McGregor, Jack, when he's playing and he's fit off, he seems to kind of dovetail quite well with McGregor and Christy in there. But Turnbull can offer a slightly different option, you know, the forward pass, the playing in between the, the lines, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I, I think he is, is most definitely worth taking, and that's not, not me just speaking as a Celtic fan. Yeah. From what I've seen of him and watching Scotland, he is most definitely the type of player that Scotland need because we don't really produce that type of player very often yep. we don't have much by way of a number 10 and that's where he can slot in I suppose ironically he could potentially be competing with Ryan Christie for that slot Christie seems to have saved his best performances for Celtic this season he'll definitely go and he should go as part of the team that got them there but it'll be interesting to see if Turnbull joins him the other factor is for Celtic the bottom line is getting these guys international exposure in a in a international tournament to look forward to it's got to be a positive hasn't it in terms of how these guys will feel when they come back and it should give them an energy whether some of them are going to be here or not you know question marks over Griffiths and Christie definitely the others should be around and that's got to be a positive for the new manager isn't it yeah I think you can exposure to, yeah, I think it's, like, it's a great point um, pressure cooker situation as well with some of these guys as well I don't think they've been, they've been under enough pressure this season that might sound really really stupid but again for Celtic to push themselves on as I said it's only going to be to our benefit a David Turnbull going across, going across into Scotland and feeling the pressure. I'm saying that there is no really I'm saying pressure, but exposure at that level in terms of saying, hey, come on, let's go and just do this for, let's go and do this for everybody, basically, and it's just good. It's, it really is good exposure, but I just feel as if for David, David Turnbull's development, it's good to be in that environment as well. And I feel as if this is a day, we keep saying, my face, he's no, 
played against Criminal, how did he start the season? But he's also played a Celtic squad who's not been properly coached either, and he's delivered. So mm-hmm. David Turnbull has got a lot to us. I'm really excited, but I'm really, really excited. Imagine him in a Celtic team that's going to be organised, playing, knowing the rules, doing what they're doing. Yeah. He's going to be he's going to be fantastic. Really, as a big he's big big player yeah. for Celtic and, and, in the future. And for the poor season it's been, he still managed to get ten goals, yep. albeit one of them was for Motherwell, I believe. But nine goals returned for a guy that just started playing in December is pretty impressive. I know it's been one of your biggest uh, issues, Miffin, and rightfully so. You've gone on about it frequently about the fact that Neil Lennon had him at Lennox Town, and he's seen him since summertime through July, August, September, October, and all the failings, and only put him in when we had that stair rubber against uh, Leo. Yep. Uh, I think so he, he came about by default Which is criminal As you rightfully say Chris So he, he was confirmed As a PFA Young Player of the Year And along with Edward and Ayer He's also been named In the, the PFA Team of the Year I think it says a lot For the guy's mental resilience And we spoke a couple of shows ago Or some of us did About the lack of mental resilience Within the team I think he's shown That he's got something about him He's not just a, a daft wee boy Just kind of Flicks and tricks He's actually got something And the fact that he came back So strongly after a year out and, and all the rehab that Motherwell took him through, and that <laughs> seems to be the, the Motherwell credit show, but a lot of praise is due to them for what they've done for the kid. He's come on leaps and bounds since then. Well, I don't think you can you can praise Motherwell as, as a region highly enough, so it's no surprising their team are producing the goods. But, <laughs> I mean, he showed mental resilience to come back for that knee injury, mental resilience to, to walk about openly with that haircut. I, I think it's really just shows the character of the guy. He's obviously not been fancied as soon as he went in the door. Maybe deemed not fit enough, not trusted in the specific role the management wanted him. But he's dispelled all of that. He's come in, he's played with a freedom. And like you say, a team showing a confidence, a group, as a group on the wane. And he has he has tried his best to stand up and take a bit of responsibility. I thought even in the games at Ibrox, he was still trying to go on the ball and influence the play, even though you know mm-hmm. he was kind of trying to swim against the tide a bit. So... I, and I think Ayer, to a point as well, kind of showed that, that type of attitude. Edward probably less so. I think Edward's just got that much class that he scored the amount of goals that he did. But I, I don't think his overall play was anywhere near the standards that, that no. he set. But again, you need to remember, he, he, he's had a fairly traumatic season himself. So it's just one of those ones where, I know he said we'd consigned it to the dustbin, but we're not talking even more about it tonight. But the Turnbull, the Turnbull, the Turnbull issue, is, I think that, that is one thing that really, really stands out. We have had a player in the squad that wasn't playing that then get put in as a, an absolute afterthought mm-hmm. who's ended up winning Young Player of the Year. I think that, that just about sums up. Boys, Boys Analytics, yeah. Yep, and he can never take in, obviously, cast their eye David Turnbull. So much more to give. Again, mm-hmm. as I said, there's a lot of things, bad decision making as well. Yeah. So much more to give. And that's. They highlighted the fact that he, McGregor, and Christie were all shooting from range far too often, you know, at different phases in the season. The right coach will get more out of David Turnbull. So we've seen yep. a really strong season. And as you rightfully say, I've real credit to the, the boy because he came in. He's only started playing football properly in December. He's found himself young player of the year. And he very, I, I think, probably will go to the Euros and rightfully so. So credit to him. So Steve Clark names that squad on Wednesday. And it'll be very, very interesting from a Celtic point of view to see who features. As we're starting to wrap things up, I'll come to yourself first, Chris. What's your, your overriding feeling then at the moment? Is it one of optimism? And I know we've raked over the coals there of the season past. I promise we won't do that again at least until next week. But what's your overall feelings just now? Are you looking forward to things at the moment? Great that that's all on done with. Done First and dusted. Done and dusted. Let's close that, can close that chapter over. But uh, yeah, just waiting the news. Just waiting the news. And again, being, being optimistic again, again, as it's refined, again, the, the, the history books now. Um, and it's, for us, it's time for us to kick on and move on. But there's so much more, again, being pessimistic as well that needs to be done. Again, from, again whether it be communications with the season books, 
managerial appointment signings there's a lot of work to be done but we need to be hopeful again as I started off with the night, again the night saying that it's just hope and I'm going to finish that point so yeah. just hopeful yeah it's going to be a very busy and very interesting nine weeks Matt what about yourself you're an optimistic guy aren't you sometimes I most certainly am um, I would say that I still don't think it'll be how who it will be I don't know but I remain optimistic from the point of view that it excites me to think that it'll be a fresh new Celtic team that'll be watching at start of next season hopefully sitting in the stadium so those are the things I'm looking forward to um, until such times as I'm told it won't be happening then I can come on here and have a moan about it <laughs> and that's fine and nobody will stop you so as we now look to put the failings of last season behind us and look forward to the future with a level of optimism I'd like to sign off on today's show with a quote by someone we all know very well yesterday is gone tomorrow has not yet come we have only today so let's begin and that's by the Greek philosopher Vasilis Barkas it's actually not, it's by Mother Teresa, big fan, never misses a game, so thanks to Mother Teresa for that one. Well, thanks to Miff and Chris for joining me in today's show, and as always, our thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please continue to support us by following and leaving a review on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find us on Twitter at Celt Exchange and on Instagram at the Celtic Exchange Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week. Podcast Network.